tentative that is the Paris, the show that connects authors, songwriters, and poets with their global audience. So I can continue to bring you high caliber guests, so I invite you to go to iTunes, click subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with your friends. Today I'm delighted to introduce the charismatic and insightful Andrew Eagleton. Once upon a time, Andrew Eagleton was a carefree child, blessed with a vivid imagination, running around the fields of Ohio. Thank you. I was going to ask you how to pronounce that. So, Atayo, the country town 30 minutes from Timaru, is that correct? Yes. South Canterbury, New Zealand. After the unfortunate discovery that he could no longer be a child, his imagination and desire to challenge the conventional would still play a large part in his adult life. Now in his 40s, he'd spent over 20 years in the entertainment industry working with such people as Ryan Gosling and Michael J. Fox. Just to name a few. Yes, I'm looking for hearing more about those, Andrew. When a life-changing moment asked him to dig deep and get specific about what he was born to do, Andrew now nurtures artists to reach their fullest potential. He reminds people just how powerful remembering to play is and to nurture the inner child before it is lost forever. Andrew uses his intuitive coaching gift to host one-to-one intensives for artists, public speakers and television presenters. Andrew guides his clients from a mundane existence to an inspired, powerful life. He encourages his clients to dream, discover their purpose, and then gift package this to the world. Andrew Eggleton, welcome to Ryan's Tete Tete with Elizabeth Harris. Nice to meet you and thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure to meet you, Andrew. And to pick you up too from the corner of Rebel Street and Chapel Street in yep. beautiful Melbourne. All in exchange just for one chai. I know, that, well, that's my favourite food after all. That's better than an Uber. Andrew, we recently discovered that we have a similar sense of humour. How do you use that wonderful sense of humour in your coaching work? In my coaching, I use my humour to diffuse the sense of a line between me and my clients. Mm-hmm. So it allows them to realise that I'm just the same as them and that we're all on the same level playing field. It so is it, it's an equaliser? It's an equaliser, mm-hmm. yeah. It takes away the ego of everybody. It brings yeah. everyone down to the same level. I really like that because yeah. I use a lot of humour too and some people don't understand my sense of humour yeah. but I've actually found you so now I've found my person who does. So thank yeah. you for that. You spent your childhood in a beautiful place and the school you attended was unique. Can you tell us the impact of attending such a small school, the benefits and the hindrances. Okay, that impact. Do you know when I first moved to the school, it was, I was five, and there was eight pupils. Wow. Eight. And no one my age. So there was oh. two girls. Were you the baby? I was, my dad was my teacher and principal. Oh. So that was quite challenging. Right. Um, there was special treatment for yes. sure, but probably not in the positive way. Oh, okay. Probably in the way that Dad was probably a little bit harder on me oh. than the other children. Does that make you cry? Uh, it, it, it brought up some things in my later years, but we'll work through those now. Oh, and, good. And, and anyway, just to put it clear, my dad and I have a beautiful relationship. But what it taught me is that there was no one for miles. You know, there was no one to play with. Basically, I had no, I had no peers. So my imagination and what I did with my spare time was of my own doing. We don't huge bush walks and, and literally gone all day. You know, the importance of nature was yes, yeah, was there for you. yeah. So I'd go for <coughs> bush walks all day, leave at nine in the morning, and 
it wasn't until when the sun was coming down that I was like, okay, it's time to go home. On your own? On my own, oh. yes. yes, yes, yes. But it's self-sufficient, Susan. Very self-sufficient. Were they worried about you? Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. As long as I turned up for dinner, I was, they, they didn't care. They are like, well, what trouble can you what get into? freedom. Yes. Oh, and then we have a tattoo, Mrs. Um, mm. Where is your tattoo? Well, with one of the tattoos, it says freedom, Andrew. Where is it's that? Four. That's How many the, tattoos do you have? Eight. Can we talk about what they are? Or is it fun? No, <laughs> I got three on my left arm. Joy, Kaizen is Japanese for a little bit of improvement every day. I've got the Viking word English, which is where there's a will, there's a way. I've got courage, dear heart. I've got uh, Latin, uh, fortune favors the brave. I've got truth. It's a little bit like Robin Williams, although you, you deny that. I deny I'm anything like Robin Williams. <laughs> Why, what's yeah. Robin, Robin Williams like for you? I like it that he's a playful character. Yeah. Yes. He's fun. Yes, yeah, he's fun. He's settled down there. He has, yes, oh. yes, yes. I'm looking to do the same. Oh, wonderful. Okay, what are you yeah. looking for in a woman, Ah, uh, someone who's the opposite of me. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? No, do you know what I actually know? Do you know what it is? I know exactly what I want from a woman, and that's where my the article I love, which we'll get to you later probably. Yeah, we will. Uh, came from. And I, I want a goddess, a, a, a divine feminine oh, woman, a, a feminine, they are, yes. they are, but in this day and age, in this day and age, if I can be so bold, is that women, you be as bold as you like, it's is your that show. women try to be men, you know, they, 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 they embrace so much masculine energy that it really sort of demasculizes the male, and uh, you know, for me, being a woman is such an amazing gift, as in you, you do? well you're you the closest, I knew my observation, but you're the closest thing to to Mother Earth there is. You know, you're Can the closest. Can you explain that for people that aren't quite on your level of okay. understanding? Mother Earth means like that nurturing soul, the ability to to have a child. Yeah. Is it like when right. I say, when I shut your fingers in the window this morning and yes. I said, "Were you okay?" Yes. I am a nurse, and I'm concerned about your fingers. Yes. Is it like that? It was kind of like that, but more authentic. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah. So mother, yeah, so mother Earth, like, here's the thing, I'm a pretty well balanced guy, I think. but when I'm with a very feminine woman, I feel safe, oh, like okay. I feel safe, if I'm in her arms, I, I have this feeling like, wow, I'm safe, now she couldn't protect me for, you know, to save herself, That's right. you know, but I, there's that feeling of safe, like there's just something calming, yeah. and I said this to yeah, someone sure. recently, and she said, yeah, but don't you get it, Andrew, you make me feel safe too. And I was like, I get it, the yin and the yang, the whole sort yes. Anyway, that's, that's what beautiful. I'm after. That's, that's what you're after. That's what okay. I'm after, yeah, yeah, yeah. And ladies, we don't mind if uh, you've already had a child or... And you can send an application. <laughs> <laughs> so while we're saying that, you know, where do we find your work? You know, we need a website or something, we send these applications too. Mm. Yeah, so, so, you know, where do we find you? Where do, where do women find you? That women can find me <laughs> on such sites as... No, andrewiggleton.com. We'll talk about your great work. Just to finish off that last piece, yes. you know, about the, the, the positives of living in that small community. Yes, sure. Is that during the weekend or after school, I had nothing to do. So my idea of entertainment was to go over to the school and write. Oh, or good. draw. Yeah. I used to draw, now I can't do anything more than stick figures. But my writing was something Never say can't. You can get back to that. Yes, I could. Yeah. But I probably um, but I love writing, and that's where it came from. Wonderful. And, and I totally agree with that because I love writing too. In, in Year 6, I wrote my oh, last okay. book. 
um, called Chili, the red motor car, and my father threw it away. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. But yeah, not intentionally. He, he did a big, big clean out and, and it's gone. Enjoy. So how do you utilise the foundation of your wonderfully carefree childhood and vivid imagination within your work? And in particular, how does this translate to the playroom? The essence of what I coach, like if you boil it, Simmer it down to one thing is, is the art of play. Yeah. So when you write, when you present, when you, you're just in everyday life, one of the things that I really coach into my clients is, is, is a sense of playfulness. I've always, like, you know, my aunties and my family and people who know me call me Peter Pan. Oh, lovely. Now, it's getting a bit more condescending as I get older, but... <laughs> They're saying, Peter Pan, you need your Wendy. Yes, yeah. yeah. But so that what that foundation taught me was that it was the art of play. I, I get curious, I get, I get excited. And, and when I public speak or go on camera and present on TV, whatever I'm doing, I get into an excited space. So mm -hmm. like this is playtime for me. Mm -hmm. And that's what I coach into my clients. It's, mm -hmm. it's exactly the same thing. Reframe this. Mm -hmm. and it sounds really NLP, but I'm not invited. No, 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 that, that sounds good. Like... Reframe it, mm -hmm. and we get into a point where it's when they get it's their turn to get up on camera, mm -hmm. they actually are turning that into excitement. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is adult playtime. Mm -hmm. If it was a child, you'd be playing with dolls or fire trucks or, mm -hmm. or whatever kids play with these days. Um, iPads. iPads. It's very disappointing. And I was thinking about your childhood and thinking, you know, so many children would benefit, would benefit from a child. Absolutely. Like yeah. Just get outside, into the dirt, you know, run around. Yes. Yeah, fall out of trees. It's good for you. Yeah, uh, I'm nervous. I'm about that one, but okay. yeah. If there's some, the safety net under there, sure. Yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's what, that's what happened. It was, it, was the, it was a sense of playfulness. That was the foundation that was built in me from, from that growing up, mm -hmm. from that childhood. Added imagination. Fantastic. In your bio, you mention a life challenging moment. Will you allow my listeners to know more about this, or will I be breaking privacy rules? Yeah, sure. I'll make a long story short. Okay. Okay, so two years ago, September, I think it was around the 6th or 9th, um, I slipped a disc in my, in my neck in the C6, C7. The way that works is that if the disc slips, mm -hmm. the nerve that runs down through those discs mm -hmm. was trapped. Mm -hmm. Now that causes him super intense pain. Um, if you haven't experienced it, and obviously not many people have, thank God, mm. I can only liken it to like, passing a kidney stone yes. or perhaps giving birth. Yes, yes. Yeah, obviously <laughs> some of those, one of those I haven't. So that was like a shotgun blast going off. Incredible pain. And I was in Bali, I couldn't fly. Every doctor told me something different. I couldn't dress myself, I couldn't feed myself, I couldn't get out of bed. And this lasted for two months. Um, and if I hadn't been in New Zealand or Australia, or let's say a, a better place with a bit better medical than Indonesia, was that the first thing they said when I got back to New Zealand was, how was the depression? And I said that it was super intense. He goes, yeah, because after the... the physical pain, you, you're, the physical pain 24-7, and I was self-medicating, 
myself over there with whatever I could get my hands on to, to kill the pain. Not, not a good I went into so my, my, my mind got lazy and dark and I went into an incredible depression. And the life-changing moment was, well, that was it really, but I woke up one morning and I was like, how the hell am I going to get through today? Like, how am I, I don't want to deal with another 12 or 14 hours of, of getting up, mm. dealing with people. I was like, can I just take a pill and yeah. forget about this day? So, so you were suicidal? I understood how people could commit suicide. Sure. Yes, I'm yeah. not that kind of person myself because I, I know that there's an end. Yeah. And that, so I, I got up and I went, right, enough. You're going through this, what do you want out of it? Yes. And I wrote down on a piece of paper, I started off with, what is your ideal day of life? So I, I wrote down everything. What happens when I get up? Who am I with? What am I drinking? What does my outside my window look like? How do I feel? What's the look on my face? Everything, right down to the minor details of this thread count on my sheets. And then after that, this I had this realization that the current Andrew was not capable of having that current of that perfect day, that perfect life, because I wasn't equipped for that. My behaviors, my my beliefs, um, my, my character, the things I had to work on. So I started writing down all the things that I needed to become, mm -hmm. the kind of man I needed to be. Mm -hmm. to get Be, that do, have, Andrew. Yeah. Be, do, have. Be, do, and have. Yeah. I call it the man I need to be. Yeah. So I wrote that down, and then I decided, and then I wrote down how many hours a week I wanted to, to work, how much I was going to get paid, what I was going to be doing, and how I was going to serve others. And from that moment onwards, I had this whole new focus in life. And I mean, that got me into my life coaching. And I use exactly that. I call it the uh, I call it life by design. And obviously, I've fleshed out a lot more. Sure. And the actual process is called the design practice. Wow. It was born from that moment of desperation. Isn't that magnificent how you turned it around? Yeah. Congratulations, because so many people can do that. They don't know, I don't think they know how to do that. You know what you don't know how to do? Accept a compliment. Which I just offered you a compliment. No, you're right. I'm not very good at accepting compliments. <laughs> you're right. You're right. But thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Because um, that's really pivotal. Mm. You write for Spiritual Beers magazine, and mm. I've read a number of your great articles, including a very special piece on love. And also about the other plane. When did you know you wanted to be a writer? There was probably never a point that I didn't want to be a writer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so as I said earlier, my, my dad encouraged me to write when I was a child uh, because there was only eight kids at the school where one of the one of the things that I don't know if we had subjects actually at all, we would spend an hour or two hours writing creative stories. Mm -hmm. And then I'd come back and Kids would have like two paragraphs or half a page, and I'd come back with like 20 pages wow. and hold forth as long as I could. So, clearly a gift. It's definitely a gift. Yes, thank you. It is. See, look, now it's Oh, I'm impressed. You see that? <laughs> and you're a fast learner, too, aren't you? Well done. <laughs> yeah. So, writing is a real joy, and I, and I think there's a versatility to my writing. I can write very silly and fun, mm -hmm. and I can also go very deep. Okay, so when you're writing, what keeps you going, and, and, and this will, you know, whatever works for you to work for other people, what would you advise other people to do to keep them going? 
write because you want to, not because you have to, for a start. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, writing, if you're, if you're an artist or just a creative person, writing is something, we talked about this in the car, yeah. when you can't pick me up. It's something that, for me, and I think other artists, is we have control over it. I can pick up my laptop or a pen and paper any time I want. So the, the trouble with, the, the challenge of being creative or an artist is, especially, you know, we, with, we explain this with being a presenter or an actor, mm. is that there's a gatekeeper. You audition, yeah. there's a process, I get the job or I don't get the job, there's 10 no's to one yes, mm. and that's good odds. It could potentially be yeah, so if you're a Yeah, if you're a creative person, you, you just can't wait to get to that playtime. For me, that playtime, I'm on set, I'm playing, but when I'm writing, mm. So I feel like writing right now, and I'm going to write right now. Yeah. So I get this creative outlet straight away. It's that sense of play again. Play. Mm -hmm. Even when you're going deep, it's that sense of play. It's wonderful. Who or what is your major source of support when you are writing? You've got some cranberry juice there, I see. Because mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, you know, I'm a bit of a coffee addict. Well, I'm definitely a coffee addict. I, I admit it. I need a bit of a program for that, but that's another story. So for you, what supports you through that? Is it, is it uh, friends or is it other writers? You know, writers have this wonderful community. We share, you know, we don't compete, I've found, so the community I'm in. Very generous people, um, and we understand that it can be quite isolating to write. So, you know, if you're feeling that way, reach out. Because there's always someone there at 2am writing something. Mm, that's true. <laughs> That's true. Do you know what? The people who support me are probably one is my father, mm -hmm. and I've got another couple of friends, Jara um, Campbell, who lives in Bali too. And they just like, I'll talk to them about, about an article I'm going to write, and mm -hmm. they're like, yes, yes, go for it. And you know, the one I wrote on Love when I was in Romania was one mm -hmm. I didn't want to print because I actually wrote it, and I was like, well, this is actually very, I could be judged quite heavily on it's this. So I'm, I'm writing yeah. about something that. You know, who am I Who am I to write on this subject, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm shaking my head, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it and, it, and it had a wonderful response, and it got shared with hundreds of times. Um, so, yeah, I've got some wonderful friends, and my, mm -hmm. other, and my other support is probably a glass of wine when I'm writing, too. Okay, red or white? Uh, red, always red. The best. And there's antioxidants in that, so I, pr I approve of that one. Yes. <laughs> This year you went on a sojourn to Romania. Please tell us more about that. Okay, so um, I, I've always wanted to write, for a long time, I've wanted to write a fairy tale mm. um, in a cabin in Romania overlooking the castle that inspired the legend of, of Dracula. Actually, oh, the yeah. castle that inspired the novel mm. of Dracula. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, in a little town called Brun mm -hmm. in Transylvania, in oh. Romania. You had a costume that you wear when you're writing? No, there was no costume. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. It was actually, a, it was... Um, no fangs sitting in your pocket? No, no, no. no. Right. It was actually very exciting. Um, I, I wrote about an imaginary character called Darren, who's a dog. <laughs> and Darren had left the corporate world. Right. Well, I wrote about a cat called Victoria, so Yes. Everybody had told Darren that dogs can't write fairy tales. Oh. And <laughs> so... Darren went, this is normally so fuck everybody. And that's what he did say. And then he got on a plane and he flew to Romania and travelled around Europe and ended up in Romania. And he, he 
wrote, uh, he's been writing a fairy tale about a man. You need to put some money in Samuel Johnson's swear jar. I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's only one. Darren said, you know, if you and yep. went ahead and if you went ahead and, and jumped on a plane anyway and, and fulfilled his dream of writing a fairy tale in around Europe and ending up in Transylvania, and he's writing the fairy tale about a man writing about a dog writing a fairy tale. So it's multi-layered, very confusing. No, no, hang on. A man? Yeah, being me. Yeah, yeah. we'll work that out. But just, let's just go back a bit. That's a bit slower. A man? A man yeah. writing about a dog right. who's gone on a journey to write a fairy tale. Okay. So, so everybody's got that now, so go ahead. Yes. And he has not finished it. it, it, it he, he's definitely chipping away through it, which is nice. Mm. And it was, a, it was a beautiful journey in Romania to, to be able to do that. But Darren got very sidetracked with many things oh. um, in Europe, and I think that held him up a little bit. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Was Darren auditioning um, for the mother of his pups, perhaps? I think Darren might have a few pups, though. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yes. Well, okay, yeah. 20 years, you might have a couple of knocks on your door. Anyway. That's it. What are you working on at the moment? So... The number one priority at the moment is um, I've got workshops coming up in New Zealand and Australia in February and March. Mm -hmm. And number one priority is putting together my uh, how that's going to look. It's called the, the, the workshops are called the Art of Play. Yeah. And it's for live speakers and presenters and, and corporates, entrepreneurs. So that's the priority. And then. And, and can we learn a bit more about that? What can we expect from those workshops? I bring, if I can say so, which is very unhumble for a Kiwi. Just, you know, you bland proud. Okay. Yeah. I, I bring a, a very unique world-class way of coaching in the presenting. So it's a performance, and I literally have a, a gift of an intuitive ability to be able to tailor my uh, coaching specifically to an individual. So even if I've got 20 people in a class, mm. I'll have 20 different ways of coaching. That's because you read people very well. I read people very well, okay. yeah. And I think part of that is because the presenting became easy to me. Like oh. It's something that I had to work very hard at and, right. and work through many, many of my own blocks. See, that really surprised me. Really? Yes, because you present so well. Oh, lovely. It's good to know. Thank you, thank you. So Melbourne, Brisbane will be the first weekend of March, and then Sydney will be the weekend after. Then. So are you wanting your, you know, you're the focus, and we have this theatre set up, and you bring the participants down to, for their turn. Is that how it works? Or? Yes, yes, yes. You know that. But my favourite space, I get into a zone which is super playful, and I, I love it. Like when I coach, it's, that, that's my happy place. Mm -hmm. And feeding off the energy of other people and, and them feeding off me and taking away people's expectations of themselves. That's the first thing I do. Mm, right. I have this funny thing when we first start. Because I really don't care what level people are at. Like it mm. makes no difference to me. I'm here to coach you. I don't care yeah. if you're a one or a ten. So I kind of diffuse that by saying, look, we're here now and you've mm. all given me your money. So I don't care if you're good or not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I have your money. I've redone really my. I'm, yeah, I'm happy. I'm, yeah, I'm happy. Kaching, kaching. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, my job is to take your money. Your job's done. Yes. Now it's up to you. Now. Over to you. Yes. Take one. Is it take one? Take one. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, but what I get is, I don't care when people get up. 
I'm like, if you need to read off your script, mm -hmm. if you want me to prompt you, I don't care if you can't even say your name. Like, and some people can't. Some people can't even get up and say their name, they're so nervous. And I'm like, really? I don't care, that's where you start now. Oh. That's, that's it. So, okay, at a scale of one to 10, I'm gonna give you a 0.5 or a one. And now my job is to get you to a five to a 10. Do you know what I mean? So what I'm interested now in, what is a 10? A 10 is someone who's very competent and keeps me, like a, a 10 really keeps me on my toes. Like when you're a 10, meaning you're, you're a very, very presenter, my job is now to dig in and bring more of their personality to the experience. Who is a 10? People would know, you know, like a supposedly popular 10, you know, just mainstream 10. There's Oprah 10, there's, who's a 10? You know, some of those presenters from Top Gear, mm -hmm. you know, they, they bring that X factor of themselves. You, you see their personality. Okay. Because uh, there, there's the old American style of presenting where it's cameras on and all of a sudden there's this fake personality. And you can see that. And you can it's see really, that. It's yeah. like bang, bang, bang. And that's not presenting. Mm -hmm. that, that's that's, uh, that's, that's, that's cookie cutting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's almost like step one of what you do. This has been oh. in front of the camera. Yeah. What we want to do is bring your personality. Because when it comes down to it, if you're auditioning or you're doing a presentation, what people are engaged by is your personality, your, your X factor. Oh, really. interesting. Okay. The reason for Darren the Corporate Dog is yeah. I had this wonderful vision that I'm very excited of, is, is doing a one-man stage show. Oh. And it's just a storytelling. I stand at, a, at an altar, I guess, with a big old dusty book, which I'll create myself, and I will tell my fairy tale, which will be 45 minutes long. The purpose of it is to bring adults down to a sense of being children again. Oh, so right. to let go of being adults. So there's no bills, no mortgages, no responsibilities. And for 45 minutes, just entertain using, obviously, audio and uh, animation behind me as well to drive the story but just old-fashioned storytelling. And that's, that's, uh, that's that exciting. That's my, my passion project. That would be captivating. Yeah, I think that's it. And again, you can have beautiful, cute little venues. First 5, 10, 15 minutes of any show like that would just be talking about getting people to use their imagination again. You know, remember what it was like when you were five years old and, and, and setting that scene and getting adults to remember what it was like to play again and, and be silly and having no no responsibilities and then go, right, now my audience is ready, let's go. I absolutely love that. And I have a venue for you. I was there yesterday at the Mama of the Courthouse seeing Coralie Dimitriadis in her show. So, um, yeah, next trip you might want to take a look at that when you have time. Well, you, know, you know lots of famous people, so tell me about that. Is being famous an impediment? Because you know, so many people want to be famous, but then when you get down to it, do you okay, want to so be there's a difference. There's people, and, and this is uh, speaking to my actress friend here, I won't mention it, <laughs> uh, on Saturday, mm. and she said the biggest difference at now mm. compared to what it was when she first started acting was people want to be celebrity before they become actor. Oh, you know, so an artist. Can we have an example of someone? Reality TV is a, is a, is a oh. shocker for that. Yeah. I've had two periods of my life where I was, I use this word very loosely, but I, mm. I guess people knew who I was. 
the first time... Oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't realise. That's, <laughs> that's right, we're in different countries. Um, <laughs> and who were you, Andrew? Uh, well, that's it. Uh, it wasn't... It wasn't uh, the... Are you important and I didn't know? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, we need to define important in that, don't we? See, I, I think important people are people like paramedics and surgeons who can save people's lives. Absolutely. Then, you know, I'm different. But if you're an artist, I mean, I still rate an artist up there the same thing because it's you're yeah. reflecting life. You're, I'm being light. You know, yes, yes, yes. But celebrity, what, what is celebrity? I mean, you're meant to be someone who's celebrated. If you're a reality TV show person or, or something, it's like... You're looking for the 10, aren't that's you? That's your job. You're, you're looking for the 10. You got lucky, you're in a TV show, yeah. you, you're, you're pretty much still nobody, you're not really good at anything, but <laughs> a camera's following you. And that's why people know you. But, you know, let's... So it's, it's false elevation. I remember it was 2001, and I, I, I kind of was hitting my straps. I'd just been working with Ryan Gosling on Hercules. I, I won clear Bachelor of the Year in New Zealand. They showed, they, really? they showed a documentary <laughs> on us, and a TV series called Shortland Street, which is like our neighbours. I started to get all this work, but just doing stupid stuff that I wasn't actually needed to be skilled in. I'm the kind of person that I ridiculed myself. Yeah, when I see them on TV or in magazines, uh, I was a little bit more judgmental than I am. Is that like more. that song popular by Darren Hayes? Did uh, you know that song? No. Okay. Do you want to know what I did? I do. I moved over to an island called yeah. Waiheke Island off the coast of Auckland. It was about an hour yeah. uh, on a ferry. Yeah. I got a little house. I grew a beard. I had an yeah. amazing vegetable garden. Does it say you grow your own vegetables? I grew my own vegetables. Yeah. And I lived there for two years. Wow. And I did nothing but write and try to identify with what I wanted to be as an artist. And there was one day I was standing outside and I was speaking to a man uh, who was my neighbour over, over some shrubs. And I realised that I was talking to this stranger naked with a beard. I was naked. You know, it was hot and I just stopped wearing clothes. Totally, totally naked. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was on an island. Did you, did you I was notice? On a, no, well, that was the thing. Did you have a fig leaf? Or, yeah. No. No, no. No, leaves? I was just no, so nothing. used to, to, to like, letting it all go. And, and I, it just dawned upon me, I was like, Andrew, you're only 28. Like, it's time to get off the island. Like, you, it's, it's time to go, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got off the island pretty quick and moved into this new house and with these two girls and for about a month they were like... Had you got dressed by this too? I got dressed, Good. but I was always was I was still then. going outside to pee on, to pee on the lawn. Oh. And they were like, Andrew, can you use the toilet? Because <laughs> the guy was like, I've got to get out of these habits. All right, okay, I'm just adjusting to normal life again. Um, and what's normal really? Yeah, what is normal? Yeah. What, what really grabs me about that story is the fact that you were aware enough to know that you needed to change. Yes. And not everybody is that aware. And why are you that aware? Is it because of your dad? Is it because of your upbringing? You can sense bullshit, basically. I can. I'm, I'm, but, um, but, you know, you've got this really sensitive BS to You know what? I, I'm, I've only just, and I was just talking to my little brother about this a few weeks ago, I've only just realised that what a quality and an asset it is mm. and that I am actually highly sensitive. Even a year ago, I didn't realise that was such an asset as to, our, as, as to what I, I do now. And I'm, I'm only just starting to really embrace it. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. The, the um, civilised word for that, everybody, is discernment. Discernment? Yes. That's the civilised word for that. And also, civilised word would be using the toilet rather than the law language. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, I've got that under control now. Oh, it's different. With the entertainment industry, if we're talking about that specifically, mm. it's um, there's just so much bullshit involved in yes. you know, and Again, we talked about my earlier experience, but then I had another experience, you know, which was in 2008, 9, 10, where I was really on a roll with acting, presenting, uh, and speaking. And again, this time I ran away to Bali. Mm, okay. Um, which is where you live now, isn't it? Which is, I live half and half, okay. yes. Half and half. Half and half New Zealand. Yeah, I uh, was New Zealand and Because this is equal to this woman. And now it's going to be in Australia. In, in, oh, Australia. Oh, yes, I'm opening up my, I've got to get a bigger market, which is here. Okay. So are we looking at Victoria or are we looking at Sydney? Melbourne. Oh, Melbourne. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Um, the thing I don't like about the entertainment industry is... We do have good weather, you know. In Melbourne? Yeah. It's You're the first crazy. person that said that. I am Melbourne through and through. It's beautiful. Uh, it makes me feel like home. Melbourne, I feel like I'm home. I don't know why. My dad, my, my dad grew up here, though. Did he really? Yeah. How about? He actually told me yesterday, and I can't remember. About an hour out. Out where? Melbourne, out towards we'll, we'll the... North, Danny, South, East, Danny, Danny Long? Danny Long, yes. The, the mountains. Dan, oh, that's... I think they're one, so it's a beautiful mm. Yes. Place. Okay, so the entertainment industry is full of people with lack of discernment. Or um, they believe their own BS. So yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think at the end of the day, you've got to go, okay, this TV is, this, this is just a job. It's a job. Yeah. I'm an artist, and if I get work, I'm, I'm lucky. Why do they believe it? Is it, is it that adulation they get? And the it is the adulation. Is and look, I can relate to that. I mean, the ego is an, an amazing driver. And in my 20s and 30s, you know, it was my ego getting me out of bed. It was like, right, you wanted that. You wanted the people to know who I am. It was the, it was why, the adulation. Why do you want people to know who you are? Um... I'm sorry, I'm sorry I didn't know no, you were, you, Andrew. Because you want to, there's a feeling, well, that's <laughs> self-esteem, isn't it? A, a sense of self-love. It's like, if people adore you, it helps boost up that, that sense of self-worth. I find that false. And, yes, of course it's false. And having been a school nurse and really looking at children, you mentioned when you were five, you know, looking at nurturing their self-esteem and how important mm. it is. That doesn't come from outside, that comes from inside. Always inside out. Mm. Mm. But we, we're not taught that. No, we're not. Yeah. So we, what we're taught, you know, in a way, which makes no sense to me, mm. we're taught that your career, uh, what other people think of you, what you own, where you live, mm. that defines who you are. Yes. But if you look at it from a deeper perspective, you your outside world actually reflects your inside. Yes. I mean, you're in control of that. And no one teaches you that at school. No. So that's why we need us, yeah. everybody. Your coaches. sense of self-love, self-awareness, your your sense of freedom, your all your values—they start from the inside out. Mm. When you've got that really glowing and growing inside you, your outside world reflects it. Correct. So you've got so many important messages to bring to the world. It's a very exciting time for you. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. That's great. Thank you. What is one of the most inspirational achievements one of your clients has made after working with you? Before I even became a coach, 
I used to be able to get a lot of people to quit their jobs. Like just, I'm just very passionate. And when someone would talk to me about their job, I'd go, because it's very usual in this Western world, I have to go, hey, what do you do? And I never ask that, because I really don't care. Yeah, I know. Like it means nothing to me. Yeah. What question do you ask? If I was going to ask him that, I'd go, what, what? If you could do anything, what would you do? And would you be impressed if you said, well, I'm actually doing that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've got a lot of people to quit their jobs and start following their passion. For me, I'm dealing with clients. It's managing them through that, that, that zone of fear, resistance, and self-sabotage, which we all go through, mm. and understanding that process. So when I did this whole coaching thing, I was like, I don't want to deal with people's problems. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to sit in Skype or go to workshops and deal with people's problems all day. So, and that's the first person, that's the first thing they want to talk about. Yeah. This is what I don't want. I'm not, I'm not yeah. interested. What do you want? Exactly. Yes. Then when I know what you want, and you can we can create that. that. We can work towards that and shape you. Yeah. And then that's exciting. And of course, when you go there, you've got to create that vision of where you want to go that's so bold, exciting, and fun that your mind is tracked mm-hmm. so you go, yeah. oh, do you know what? Actually, this looks quite fun. Let's go there. Well, I mean, there's, there's nothing, this is safe. Because your mind isn't built for success. It doesn't know what success is. What the hell is success? Success is being alive for your mind, right? Yes. You know, the fact that we're sitting here talking and your, your brain's giving yourself a high five. It's like, yep, <laughs> we're still alive. Oh, well, it's because I'm a human. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What'd you say? Clear bitch for the year. What year was that? Uh, 2001. Wow. Gee, girls, I didn't know. 15 years ago. There's a lot of jealousy going on the other side of this podcast, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favourite books is Illusions by Richard Carr. What is one of your favourites? Just off the top of my head, there's many, many books. One is um, Bad Jody, which for just reasons, it makes me laugh. It makes me laugh. It's just a childhood. It's silly. It means nothing. There's, there's not even a message behind the story. It's just someone's random, random uh, creative strain of thought. And I just think it's hilarious. There's the audio. And you know what it reminds me of? Yeah, what, why I love it so much is it reminds me of when I was a little kid, would have been five, six, seven, and my dad coming into my room in a tire and tuning in the radio. Because at that time, we only had like one or two channels. Two yeah. channels. Channel one or channel two. And you were well, spoiled. Right? And TV didn't start till like eight in the morning or seven in the morning. So there was yeah. nothing else to watch. There was nothing to watch except for Fraggle Rock and the Muppets. And then Dad would come in and tune in the radio. And it was the Saturday or Sunday morning uh, storytelling time. Oh, and nice. I'd lie in bed and listen to that. And yeah, that, That's one of my favourite memories of your childhood. It's a lovely memory, too. What is Darren, the corporate dog, doing at Christmas? And I noticed that you haven't invited him to a family celebration. Isn't that a bit mean? Mm. And uh, do you think that Darren has a plan to combat your exclusion tactics? Look, at the end of the day, Darren and I do have a very wonderful relationship. And he's everything that... He's kind of like no responsibility. He's Andrew with no responsibility. And well, you'd love Christmas, then, wouldn't it? All the gift yes, and, and he'll be there. Like, he'll yeah. be there at Christmas for sure. Do you know what's wonderful about Darren is that he just doesn't think that people would speak ill of him or they would say no. So he's got that blind sense of faith. It's innocence, isn't it? Yes. Innocence. Yeah. Yes. So when I did tell him that he said, oh, can I come for Christmas? And I said, not a, not a effing chance. 
he wouldn't have taken it as that. He, he would have just thought, oh, that's joking, okay, I'll see you there. <laughs> um, and so he will be there at Christmas time. Oh, good, I am pleased. Yes, 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 Victoria yes. will be with us too, Victoria the cat. Yes, I, I don't know, I don't know if, uh, I'm sure, actually, I'm sure Darren would get along. With Victoria the cat? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, Victoria the cat's a big one. Yeah, but I, I, I've got a bit of a treat for Darren, though, because I don't know if you uh, saw when I was in Spain and I got a little bit drunk and slept on the couch, he drew all over my face. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. No, I didn't see that. He wrote, I love Darren on my face, yeah. on my forehead, and he yeah. gave me a dog's tongue and whiskers. I'm going to send me that picture. And uh, I'm going to shave his fur off. Oh, yes. okay. Are you going to wait till he's asleep or drunk? I'm going to wait till well, he's always drunk, so I'm going to get his drunk. <laughs> yeah, it's his favourite pastime. So send me that picture. Yeah. I'll do that. Okay, Andrew, this is a signature question I ask all my guests. What do you wish for for the world and most importantly for yourself? For the world, um, I wish that we could all use our God-given talents, uh, unique gifts, to, uh, to be of service to the world. And I feel like if we were all doing that, the world would be organically going in the right positive direction. Uh, that would mean also a lack of corporate greed, uh, the raping and pillaging of the earth. And, uh, I know that we weren't here to work in the system that we currently work in. You know, the, the, the human wasn't designed for and that we have far greater possibility than what we're doing at the moment. What I'd love for the world is that for the next generation, the next generation, to start to push the boundaries and to do what we were actually designed to do, which is evolve. And not an evolve in a, in a way that's 3% growth every year in big corporate. So not the GDP, but we're talking about um, are there are a lot of children around, and, and when you have your child, you know, you'll learn this, that are highly evolved. Yeah. I can feel it. A lot of my clients or my market, for my coaching, my life coaching part of things, are white generation. Yeah. And when I was doing my research, every single one, I said, what do you want? What's your ultimate thing? They were like, I want to have a positive impact on the world. And you don't get that, if I can be old, from baby boomers. And even from my generation... If you're sure you can say whatever you want, yeah. even swear. Okay. <laughs> from my generation, a little bit more, but the next generation even more so. Yes. And I think it must be very hard for them to... You know, the, I, I, I can understand where the system came from and how my parents were so... I'm not full, but it was, it was, it was just like, this is what you do. Yeah. After World War One, two, yes. it was, you know, it was, it was... But they're wising up. People are waking we're, up. We're waking up. That's a better word. We're waking up. We're evolving. Like we're spiritual beings. What if at school we're taught that by the mind we can actually have and do whatever we want? You know, and uh, I don't know this is going in another direction, but you know, teenage suicide is off the charts. Why is that? They're actually becoming highly sensitive beings, but they haven't been taught what that means or how the mind works. See, I see you as an incredible mentor for young men, a powerful mentor. It's funny you say that because a lot of people keep telling me to work with young men, but I love working with young women as well. <laughs> I love working with women in general because I have a nice relationship with women, but I, I like to work with young women and young men. Well, I think that... But I know exactly what you're saying, and that makes sense. In fact, the first time ever you saying that to me, that just made more sense. Thank you. Mm. I'll take that as a compliment. 
There you go. Thank you. That's four to one so far. Andrew Eagleton, thank you so much for joining me on Writer's Tete-a-Tete Things with Harris. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and may your wishes come true. Thank you for having me.